Uh, hello and welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Season 6, Episode 57. Uh, I just love watching, when we have new guests on, I love watching their faces and the little thumbnail while the video is playing. And, and, it's uh, so good. It's okay. so good. It doesn't matter how many times I watch that, mic. It's, it's tremendous. Well, it it uh, I think I got the the biggest smile was was the uh, the dolphin riding uh, <laughs> video with me, which which Andy, uh, my my beloved found co-founder of this podcast, who who uh, rarely shows up anymore. I, I you know it's the old you, you get five people and all of a sudden you podcast less. Um, but uh, but yeah, he loves to create those videos. So um, this is an episode called "The Double Is Still On." uh yeah uh look trying to look at the bright side what else can i say but uh tonight we welcome in another fine guest who is breaking his gooners podcast duck we love breaking ducks on the pod um and you know for this for this guest if you found yourself on arsenal twitter which is apparently a whole different app than regular twitter uh it's a much worse app uh, honestly, but if you find yourself over the last 10 years or so, you've run into him under his handle FK Anaj or F Kanaj. Um, he's someone who I first became aware of way back in the day by listening to our podcast daddies over at a Burke camp wonderland. I was a recurring occasional guest in the last year or so he's dipped into the crowded shark infested waters of Arsenal podcasts and blasted his way towards the front of the stage with his podcast, the latte firm. Um, and was a finalist for the 2021 Football Content Awards for Best New Football Content. Welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Faisal, F FK, F Kanaj. <laughs> which do you prefer? You said you don't, you, you don't really care? We'll but, go with uh, FK. How's that? Yeah, that suits me fine. I've been called a lot worse, Mike. Thank you for <laughs> such a warm welcome. Um, the background, actually, to the, to the Twitter handle, because you know that Danny and Gim used to call me for Canage, but uh, F, so F they just Faisal, wanted they just wanted an excuse to use foul language on the podcast. They did indeed, any excuse. No, but my, my name is Faisal, their name is Khan, and and I went to an all boys school, so I was always known as FK. It was like a, a very boys school thing to do. You call everybody by their by their abbreviations, and my surname is Khan. I was always in trouble, always in detention, or I don't know what you guys call it in the states, but you know, kept behind by the teachers. And my maths teacher, Mr. Griffiths, uh, the late Mr. Griffiths, called me Carnage. And ever since then, it's been Carnage. So F Carnage is my is my handle, and I've been known as Carnage. My my grown friends still call me Carnage to this day. Now I go by my my initials as well, which is MF. And and I mean people who don't even know what my name is call me that. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I can't explain that. Jared, uh, always good to see you uh, on a on a lovely you know, day after or two days after a loss. <laughs> you seem, you yeah, seem I love to be rolling in after the worst performance, performance we've seen in weeks. So that's always nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, can you, can you want to talk about it? Are you free? Um, but uh, always good to pod with you, Jared. So congratulations again on the FCA nomination. Our pod actually won an FCA for worst old football content. You were, you were nominated for best new football content, but, uh, but it was a great, it was a great job. So, Tell us a little bit about the latte firm, the format, the focus. Um, in case any of our viewers haven't checked it out, kind of a mix between analytical, guest-based. Uh, it, it's it's a format we enjoy. Um, so tell us a little bit more about kind of how it how it came to be and and the type of show you like to put on. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's very kind of you. Um, so yeah, look, essentially it was it was a a combination of being bored during lockdown, not getting my Arsenal fix. Um, my life away from football and work is I've got two young kids. 
we've been trying to move house now for a couple of years and I needed a release, you know, and during lockdown, we weren't allowed to go to games. So I thought, right, let's do something that's a bit creative. That's a bit distracting that it gives me something to do when the kids are down. I've got two very young kids. So I decided to to create this YouTube channel um, based on the experiences that I had with the Burkamp Wonderland a long, long time ago. People were very complimentary about, you know, hearing me and seeing me and, and us as a group. And Mike, I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to offer something a little bit different to what's already out there. You know, there are some tremendous creators out there, you know, doing their thing and they've been doing it for a long time. And I just felt that there was a bit of a space, a bit of a niche area for chat with people that I've followed for a long time, like journalists. And I wanted to just have sort of non-sensational, but sensible sort of mature discourse about Arsenal. Um, obviously, that's going to be attractive to a certain type of person. It's going to be attractive to a certain age group of people. I understand that. Um, but it was just, you know, basically an interest, a hobby that I wanted to create. And the name, obviously, Arsenal, you know, football in, in England, over the years has been, you know, ruled by by firms and, and hooliganism back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, it's just a lighthearted play on that and, and how now the, the modern day fan is is more of a coffee drinker, you know, uh, <laughs> on, on a yeah. match day. And it's and that's it. And it's friends, you know, very good, close friends of mine. Uh, we, we go to away games. We've been going to away games for years. And as they've grown up and matured and had their families, they've stopped with the beers and started with the coffees. And that's just how it came into play. Well, we're, we're the same, except we'd never stop with the beers, but uh, no, it's, it, it's a great, it, it, you know, there is a niche for, niche for that. And, and you've done a very good job at, at kind of, um, you know, taking your imprint and your footprint, which is substantial in the Arsenal fan base and, and bringing them great content. Um, you know, we, without the footprint, uh, I mean, I, I looked at, at the guest list. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a tremendous number uh, of, of Latte Firm episodes, but the look at the guest list, there's so much overlap with ours. And I, and so I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, Charles Watts, James Benge, um, you know, Simon Collins, who you obviously uh, interacted with on, on a Burkamp Wonderland a lot, Kaya Kynak, uh, uh, Wheatley. I mean, I have a fascination with journalism. My daughter, by the way, just I don't know if it's if there's any – if there's any geneticism to what you're interested in in life, but, but she's a journalism major at the university of Missouri right now, studying po political journalism and about to spend a summer in London, um, you know, doing, uh, doing an internship over there, which, which I'm so proud of, but, uh, I've always just been fascinated in, I did, I, you know, it was one of the areas that I wanted to get into when I was young. In fact, the, uh, my high school yearbook has this little, uh, uh, this comment from me in here that uh, I don't know who that is <laughs> or when I <laughs> ate him. Uh, but uh, you know, it's so, so, so speaking to journalists in the Arsenal world has always been fascinating to me because it mixes together, you know, my appreciation for the craft and the team that I love. Is that what it is for you as well? I mean, how, what, what kind of led to that being the predominant, not soul, but the predominant type of guests that you have on the pod? Yeah, I've always been fascinated by journalism. Uh, you know, at school, I was editor of our school magazine. Um, a career in sport or journalism was never an option for me, uh, but it was something that I enjoyed. And look, I have an advantage, Mike. I've been on Twitter for almost a decade or maybe just over a decade. And I've managed to build a network of people whose work that I respect, whose work that I've been sharing for a long time. And, and we started sort of interacting and you know, none other than and then Henry Winter was was kind enough to to join the pilot episode, and that for me was like a a big move. I wanted to make a bit of a a statement because if you're trying to penetrate this 
market, if you like. Uh, you need a, a big name or, or a reason for, me, for people to tune in, right? So um, I've been very lucky, man. Like it's, I have a good relationship with 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 the names that, that, that you've sort of mentioned and they've all been very kind enough to, to come on the show. And, and I have to be honest, you know, it's, it's weird being on this side of the fence tonight, but, you know, I'm like you, I, like all I do is ask the questions and um, people like, hearing from from those chaps um and and yeah and that's why it's kind of been the way that it is and aside from that i try and do fans forums but of course you know with the house move it's limited time but from as soon as we've moved in a couple of weeks time it's going to be all systems go hopefully yeah and that's great i mean it's it's a it, i love asking questions and just letting people talk and uh even though i tend to <laughs> i tend to do, my my questions tend to be eight minutes long but that's a, that's beside the point <laughs> I don't think Mike's ever been accused before of spending too much time letting people talk, but we'll go with it for now. <laughs> so, you take them when you can get them. Yeah, exactly. I like the a concept of, of that. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> so a lot of people are familiar with the Latte firm, and if not, I'm sure they'll be checking it out. But talk to us a little bit about you yourself. What made you an Arsenal fan and kind of your history following the club? So when I was a young boy, um, seven years of age, um, I was in a household where Nobody really liked football. My father wasn't a football head, but he had some tickets free at work uh, for at around Christmas time. And I remember him saying to me, hey, Faisal, I've got these two tickets for Arsenal. What shall I do? Shall I give them to the postman as a thank you? And I was like, what? You know, why don't we go, Dad? Why, why, you know, why, why don't we try it? Mum was you know, terrified. She was like, look, there's football terror. You know, hooliganism was rife at the time. It wasn't a very safe place to go. It wasn't very family orientated. Dad decided, my, my birthday is New Year's Eve, we went to see Arsenal play Wimbledon, um, and I was, honestly, Jared, no word of a lie, when he came come out the station, and at the time, yeah, you'd have a smell of nuts and onions in the air, you know, and, um, yeah, and I remember walking up towards Highbury back then, and there was a little gap between the two stands where you could see the floodlights, and I was mesmerized. Immediately, I was just like, what the hell is this? This is, this is nuts. And when you see the green carpet for the first time in your life, and the players come out in their red shirts. Like, you've watched it on TV, but when you see it live, I, I was hooked. Uh, funnily enough, we lost that game 3-1 to Wimbledon. And my dad always used to joke, you know, well, why did you not end up supporting Wimbledon? But I really like the red kit. So that's how I got into it. Thanks, Dad. Um, I Ironically, becoming... don't we have Nottingham Forest to thank for the red kits? <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, timing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been Arsenal ever since. And uh I, I, you know, watched football from a young age, obviously played a lot of football um, and it's just been part of my thing. And and since my sort of late teen years, I've had season tickets and, you know, even sold programs as a boy. So, yeah, it's it's very much in my blood and um, I'm now going to pass the misery on to my children. So it's something to look forward to. It's the greatest. I mean, it, I I have a 20 and an 18 year old and, and you know, my 20 year old varies in and out. She uh, She's, you know, she is an oh. Arsenal supporter, but doesn't, you know, it isn't just every day, every, you know, it, it doesn't take over her life. Let's put it that way. <laughs> My son's 18 and he's, you know, he's a big FIFA head and, and, and played football all his life, played, played soccer uh, all his life and, and, uh, and just loves Arsenal. And he, and we've shared some moments together that are, you know, that, that are incredible. So when you, yeah, when your kid grows up, how old are your children? Uh, so my uh, the eldest is going to be five in March and the youngest is two. So a long way to go. But yeah, I, I know what you're going to say. Go on. I mean, it's it's just the, it's the greatest experience in life. I yeah. mean, and, and, you know, thank goodness we've had a few FA Cups in his lifetime to celebrate because beyond that, it would be like, you know, the Audi Cup. Or yeah. Do you know, it's interesting you say that, Mike. Last night, you know, United were playing Villa on TV and there was a there was a moment when the camera panned to this young child. 
And the commentator, commentator made that exact point, saying that, you know, there's not many things that this kid is going to remember from United over the last sort of five to seven years. And it's so true. You know, uh, my kids, the young generation today, like they won't have seen Arsene Wenger's, you know, peak and what they're watching now is what they're going to be used to. And that, I, I can't I can't get over that. It's a really weird concept for me. Well, the challenge is to keep them as Arsenal fans, despite the, <laughs> you know, be, and 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 honestly, the, the gamers, the FIFA gamers, I mean, th that is the danger. Because they'll start, you know, I mean, my son is an Arsenal fan through and through, but he but he constantly tells me about, you know, how much he loves Mbappe. And for some reason, Mason Mount's one of his favorite players. I'm like, don't you? I mean, he's way too ingrained. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, it's it's the ch it's the big challenge of your next 10, 15 years uh, Indeed. Is, is to keep them to keep them Arsenal. But I have no doubt that you can do it. So we do have to talk about the the week that was. Um and uh, you know, there's a couple things to talk about. Mostly, we're gonna we're gonna talk about dwell on kind of banter a little bit about the game yesterday. But uh, before doing that, um, I hope you'll you'll allow me to just take a minute to, as I try to do during most of our shows, talk about our our raffle right now on Gunners versus Cancer because we have uh, the what I consider to be one of the most unique, if not the most unique, pieces of Arsenal memorabilia. Uh, created and it's owned by Gunners versus Cancer because it was secured and and fixed up by uh, by Gunners versus Cancer and we're putting it out on a on a raffle for 500 entries max, twenty five dollars an entry, which goes directly to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's about eighteen pounds sterling. Um, and uh, and this is a little bit of video about the uh, about the shirt. I am surprised that we haven't sold out yet. We're about twenty five percent sold. But the more we can get the word out about this, the more people we can get, because this is amazing. So check it out. brilliant what a prize now, now there is a difference if you've been here since the beginning of this podcast or if you've seen the beginning of our podcast the entry video done by andy that video clearly done by me like like it's a stick figure drawing compared to like an art <laughs> you know a, a piece of art but uh you know i hope it gets the point across um just amazed to be able to have the help of john lukic lee dixon Alan Smith, who really was the point man on this, and uh, and Michael Thomas, um, 
there's not a ton of stuff that Lukic and Thomas do, uh, do specifically. Uh, the two, the other two, you'll see and hear from more often. But uh, to have that shirt, and, uh, and and I've told them, please don't make any more of these shirts. Uh, we need these to be unique, and uh, and it could be one, and and for as little as eighteen quid. So, um, and for a good cause. So, thanks for letting me uh, pimp that shirt again, and hopefully we'll have that drawing as soon as we reach five hundred. So. Um, now from, oh, speaking of Liverpool, uh, speaking of Anfield, uh, let's talk about, uh, the, uh, you gotta tip your hat to Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, Liverpool football club. I mean, I don't know why they would necessarily kind of not want to play us at any given time, but do we give them points FK for just brazenly cheating and screwing people over, messing with people's travel schedules, hotels, trains, uh, arsenal in general, fixture congestion. I mean, at some point you have to actually like respect shameless bullshitters for what they are. Or do you have a different opinion of it? <sighs> There's so many things that are going through my mind, Mike. I mean, look, first and foremost, the game's a game. They've played the game and they've played it really well, right? So the rules are there to be exploited. They've obviously, my, my theory is that, look, they've realized they've bottled the league title. They've realized that they're in a, you know, in with the chance of winning a piece of silverware. And let's not forget, Jurgen Klopp has won one domestic honor in the six, seven years that he's been in England. You know, yes, he won the Premier League title. Yes, he won the Champions League. But um, given how much he sort of rebuilt that team and spent, uh, you know, with the sales of, of Suarez and Coutinho, for example, um, that's not a great return. And I think maybe the pressure was just cranked up a little bit when they realized, oh, you know, it's Arsenal, it's a semi final. We've got a chance to win this. And, I genuinely agree with you. I, I, I think it was a sincere attempt at just trying to delay the game, waiting for some key players to return, either back from fitness or uh, obviously you know, they had some some COVID cases, some genuine ones, but also some, some fake Maybe just ones. Fatigue. Yeah, I mean, it could just be fatigue. Absolutely right. You're right. And um, I do think that the rules are there. They've exploited the rules that they've done. It was so obvious. It was so obvious, you know, for the game to, for the, for the training center to be caught, uh, to be shut and then open the next day for them to go ahead with the Shrewsbury game. And then for Klopp to sort of, you know, mumble and, and, and sort of stumble in, in his post-match interview, sort of saying that we had some, some false positives and actually they all turned out to be false positive. I mean, the chances of that happening, Mike, you've seen all the, the social media hype, you know, the 0.000000, whatever is percent chance of it happening. I mean, it's, it's a farce and the EFL, there were, you know, rumors about them investigating them. Then of course that was retracted today. So nothing's going to happen. Surprise, surprise, you know, Rick Parry be, being in charge there. It, it yeah. stinks of um, convenience and, you know, I think we're probably going to face a much stronger Liverpool team on Thursday night than we would have last week. Jared, uh, Olivier in the chat says the league needs to be responsible for the testing. It's a bit shocking that that there's not a central. I mean, and and peel back the onion a little bit, maybe. But I mean, I, I gather that it really just kind of is up to what teams are reporting to to the EFL and or, in, you know, in the case of the FA Cup and the league game to the FA or to the Premier League. And and where's the accountability? Where's the the level set? I mean, it, it's it's just bizarre. It is a little odd, and uh, I don't know the exact setup, but it certainly does seem like it is a bit of a self-reporting situation, which just opens the door for things either to be done a little bit shadily or at least to have the patina of that when things don't go your way. And it, it's one of those things like it often is. I think transparency 
is always the answer to, to solving a lot of these problems and preventing a lot of the controversy. Um, it's very surprising the Premier League themselves don't have a, a medical body in place to handle the testing of all the players for all the teams. And it would kind of alleviate all of this and that you can say not just we have so many potential positive cases or positive cases. By the way, potential positive cases is a ridiculous term. The test doesn't give you a maybe. I've taken one. It's a yes or no answer. So I'm not sure where that comes from. But I think it should be a program where if whatever player tests positive, if Mike Feinberg tests positive, you should say he tested positive on this day. He's going to have a second test the following day to confirm and then he'll be out whatever the appropriate agreed upon number of days is. And everybody's on the same program at least. And it kind of eliminates a lot of the controversy and that's not being done. And it's going to continue to kind of lead people into either cheating or sort of perceived angle shooting maybe is a better term, just kind of trying to bend things in their favor while it is available as an option and players are gone at AFCON. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the rescheduling didn't, really change anything AFCON related as far as Liverpool are concerned, but you know, it, it did kind of give them an extra break in between games uh, for most of their players that I think they felt that they needed at the time. Uh, I do. I have heard though, that there should be, you know, some of these Premier League games that are getting, that are getting moved. Some of them could be moved to, to February, to March. Um, and, and, the interesting thing is you've got AFCON players returning and new January signings coming in. Yeah. And and I think there absolutely should be a rule, and I don't know if this is even possible or being considered, that anyone who wasn't registered to your team and available because of international commitments on the day the game was supposed to be played is ineligible to play in the replay. I mean, how, how could you possibly delay a game in, in January and then play it in February. Now, this hasn't happened to us yet. Uh, well, I guess you could say the Wolves game uh, is going to be played now, what, in in, uh, in February? Or, or in when is that Wolves game going to be rescheduled for? It will be later in the season. But, of course, they could be weaker without Ruben Neves. I suppose it could work both ways. It, but It, it could. Never, but, I mean, you you know, if you give a player away, you know you're not going to hit him uh, anymore. So. And we, we saw that recently, didn't we, with Ralph, with, uh, Ralph Hassenhutl of Southampton. He was saying that, that that rule should be should be sort of included. Now, on the one hand, I've got sympathy for the authorities. Look, this is a an evolving beast, right? You know, we know that the more we learn about COVID, the more precautions, more rules, regulations are going to be stretched and, and, and tested. But the right word is, is, is the manipulation. You know, Jared, you talked about it, it gives precedent to, to cheating and, you know, what if we lose on Thursday and what if we're a bit tired and we think, Do you know what, North London Derby, why don't we just try and request that to get postponed? Like why couldn't Arteta knock on the door and say, look, we've had suspected positive cases and then they all come back false positive. Just, just so that we can rest the weekend and play Spurs at a, at a better time. Because it, we're Arsenal, that's why. I, yeah, because because we will get kicked out of. I never do it. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's that's why it's frustrating. That's why Arsenal fans are are livid on social media. And I can't remember someone just mentioned it in the comments. Like I hope we beat them just because of that. I think it was Happy Chris Moss um, who said that. Mm -hmm. And it's building up a really. You know, the temperature is just sort of going up for this game that otherwise would have just been a. You know. Um, uh, it was already going to be a, yeah, it was already going to be, I mean, it, in a, in an AFCON, uh, league cup kind of situation, it was already going to be a big match. I mean, we, we, we need that piece of silverware and, and frankly, so do they. Um, and, uh, now when you want to know, 
about our our small yet very very uh, uh, excellent listener base, we have the point of view of somebody who's just pointed out that there's another industry that has no problems with testing or anything like that. So Aston, uh, they have been doing this in porn for decades. A- actors get tested every week, present papers to shoot. It's organized. If you're on, you know, if you're not available for one shoot. Um, and it doesn't go well. I would imagine that the you know the, there's there's a rescheduling process that's fair to everybody involved. Um, you know, so uh, excellent point, and just the, the type of thing that we 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 like and expect from our audience. So, um, by the way, if you have a, a user question that you want us to get to, whether it's Liverpool related, whether it's uh, what we're now going to switch over to, which is uh, the, the the FA Cup debacle, if it's transfer related. Put it in the chat anytime. We've got this new feature that everyone has where you can actually star the comments and save them for later so we don't have to go back and look for them. So put in your question with the with the, the cue to start it out, and we'll do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just another example of Arsenal getting screwed yet again. Um, speaking of ridiculous, the FA Cup, we either win the thing or we go out in the third round of Nottingham Forest. Like, we have it perfected to where we only go out to one particular team in the third round. Um, and you know, the third round draw is now going to be something I, I, I sit through with absolute fear and, 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 and of, of one team coming out of the hat. Um, let's start with the lineup because we've obviously, we faced a shortage of players, um, something predictable with AFCON, some unpredictable with alone go well uh, unpredictable to the fans of alone timing with with mainsley uh ainsley maintain niles we've got jocko with covid but in this game he went with patino and lakonga when you saw that did you start to worry about about this result or or did you think it was going to be enough to get us over the line uh, first and foremost i wanted us to win I, I wanted to win this cup you know this is this is a a trophy that I've always wanted to win, irrespective of whatever competition we're in. I love this cup. You know, I, I love the FA Cup more than probably any any cup competition in the world. It's just it's just one of those things. Growing up watching it as a boy, so I've got a real strong sort of um, fondness of it. When I saw the lineup, I thought to myself, okay, this is probably as strong as Mikel can go, given the players that were absent, given the COVID cases, given AFCON. Uh, when I saw Patino and Lukonga, I didn't, I wasn't worried at the time. I thought, okay, Patino, I want to see the hype. I want to see the excitement. I want to see him deliver. Lakonga, you know, young boy, very talented, obviously, but not sort of familiar with the team and the structure and, and, and his teammates. You know, let's not forget, he's probably played less than half a dozen games. So that, that, that worry wasn't in my mind. I was just more excited about the game. But of course, as the game panned out in front of us, it was just, uh, you know, zero to d- disaster very, very quickly. And there was no cohesion in the team there was no familiarity in the team the players looked lost you know they were playing like individuals you know there was it was just the most flat woeful and sort of limp performance but you know, i'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about it in, you know shortly i mean that's that's you're you're picking up on aston's uh comment before with with those comments um about the flat and limpness um but the um uh, jared i <laughs> I love how much hindsight is used in, the, in, in this fan base on, uh, especially on social media. And, and, you know, I, I talk to people in various formats, interact on Twitter, uh, WhatsApp groups before, during, and after the game. I was on a pregame podcast with, with Tanner, uh, bearded gooner and, and, and Glenn. Um, 
And, you know, when the lineup comes out and it's Patino, most people were pleasantly, you know, kind of excited. Like you said, uh, FK, like, like, all right, man, you know, throw him into the fire. Let's see what he can do. We, we liked the, the seven minutes we saw from him before the four minutes we saw this is, a, this, you know, this is a bit sketchy. And my one, re- my one reservation was at the time, we do have a player on the bench who apparently was healthy enough to play who not bad at defensive midfielder in Callum Chambers, at least, at least, you know, for Fulham in a team that got relegated, but he was the player of the season in that position has experience doing it and, and wasn't favored over, over Charlie Patino. And, and as we know, Lakanga is generally the Patino to Lakanga's parte. <laughs> so Lakanga was playing in a different position, Patino in a different position. It just, that was my one reservation about it. But I wasn't panning the the decision. I was I was excited to see what happens after the game. Everybody's saying, "How could you throw Patino into that position? He's too young. He's, it was an away game in an FA Cup. You know, you 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 put you you, you threw the guy. It's going to shake his confidence." I'm like, "Where was this? You know, in the hour. The reason that they put the lineup out an hour before the game starts is to give podcasters something to argue about." Um, <laughs> And and no one was arguing until the game actually started. But but uh, but Jared, did you see like any like massive furor over uh, over over Patino getting the start in that game? No, I think if anything, you see excitement from the fans because we're all excited about you know his future and potential future with the club. Uh, I, I personally, when I saw the lineup come out, like FK said, I thought given the players available with ESR and Jaka out, I thought that was one of the stronger lineups we had available. And it just didn't work out. Now it's easy after the game to say he got it all wrong because, you know, you have that, that benefit of, of seeing it go wrong for 90 minutes. And it was 90 minutes. They outplayed us. They, they were definitely the better team start to finish. But I, I don't get that upset about it. I think the opposite side of that is if, as you suggested, they rolled out Chambers, say, as a number six in a, in a defensive midfield area. I know he played there well for Fulham, who's a championship-level team. But, you know, we were playing a championship-level team. Right. I think that makes a little bit of sense, but I think had we seen that rather than Patino, there would have been a bigger, even bigger outrage that Patino's not getting his opportunity in a game oh, yeah, oh, he yeah. should be playing in. Yeah, had, had had Chambers played and we still had a crap performance, and Patino mm-hmm. sat on the bench the entire time, then it would have been, uh, you know, what did you have to lose to put Patino in? I mean, that, you know, and again, like people, people should need to register their opinion prior to the event happening and then you know it's okay to change your mind but like don't you know don't act because because now you can say oh well the whole time i was just i was just angry that they put patino in right but regardless of the option we had and the option we took for all the people who said prior to that game that midfield reinforcements were an absolute must in january i think that game proved you absolutely right i don't think anyone would watch that game and think one it wasn't probably a little bit of an error to let Maitland Niles go a week earlier than we probably could have gotten away with. And that also we need to bring in somebody for the rest of this month, especially if Jaka is out for the next couple of games. Which is, which brings me to my next question uh, of FK, which is the Maitland Niles uh, loan. Um, you know, in, in actuality, he did play that day. He played around the same time. He played in a pretty prestigious game. Um, and played in, in his less preferred right back position, which was interesting to me. Um, but, uh, you know, does Jose Mourinho and Roma, did, did they have all the cards 
in saying we need him now so that we can play him in the Juventus game, even though you're going to be short for that FA Cup match? Or was this just an example of us not doing what we did with Oxlade Chamberlain and actually saying, you know what, his head's gone. So playing him against Nottingham Forest, you know, I I don't know that it could have been much worse than what we ended up doing, but did we make a mistake or, or was the, was it already kind of too far gone for, for for us to do anything about? Well, look, the way the game went, obviously now it's easy for for me to say, oh, Maitland-Niles should have stayed and he should have been in the squad and we shouldn't have let him go. But the reality is it's all of the above, Mike, what you've just said. Roma, the loaning team, have the power in the sense that they are willing to pay a loan fee. Uh, They're willing to cover his wages. And to an extent, they can dictate the terms because he is a player that's available for loan. I think Arteta went into the Forest game thinking, look, if Xhaka's okay, maybe Xhaka and Lukonga will play. If Xhaka didn't get COVID, Maitland-Niles is not getting anywhere near that midfield. And even if he's getting near the team, he'd probably play at right back, which is not really where he wants to play. So, yeah, I mean, look, having lost to Forest, it looks like a bad decision. But I think had Jacker have played and if we were sat here tonight talking about a 2-3-0 sort of victory and we're in the fourth round, it, it's not a problem. Um, on a personal note for, for, for Ainsley, I'm fond of, of Ainsley. I like players that come through the academy. I'm particularly fond of Ainsley. I don't know why. I've just got a very sort of irrational like for him. I've always been fond of him. I really want him to do well. And, you know, even if it happens to be at Jose Mourinho's Roma, get some game time, son, you know, come back a more accomplished, more experienced, more stable player, a hungrier player, and, you know, do something with Arsenal next year. You know, that's the, that's the challenge. And I really wish him well. Uh, and I'm sure most everybody watching uh, wishes Ainsley well as well. I've always been a big fan of his, um, you know, the, I've got friends who absolutely love the guy because of his work rate, because of his effort. You know, the first time most people I think found out about him was very, very early on in his youth career. And for all the wrong reasons, um, you know, for, for an incident involving his mother um, and one of the assistant coaches, I believe. And, uh, and from that point on, everybody knew who Ainsley Maitland-Niles was and would he end up, you know, making it onto the main team and, and along with uh, you know the others who did Awobi and and uh, uh, you know a couple others who who came up through that through that generation of of squad, it was nice to see him really make an impact. It's just you know it's just weird. I mean, we could have sold him to Wolves for what fifteen or twenty million pounds, and the and, and I was behind keeping him, but I was behind keeping him and and developing him and playing him, and it was like we kept him to banish him. Uh, from the lineup and uh, during a very very poor season last season and and uh, it, it just it just doesn't seem in the stars for him that he will play here when you when you say that William Saliba's got a better chance of being here in three years than Ainsley Maitland Niles I think that says something and yeah. that's my personal opinion so um, Jared anything you want to add to to that with regards to 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 the man we call Mainsley. No, I mean, I, I agree with the point that, you know, does Granite not get COVID, that he's not going to be anywhere near the pitch, he's not going to get to play, so it makes sense to, to go ahead and let him go. It's just one of those things, it's a roll of the dice in terms of man management, and that's that's kind of the game, and that's what makes that job hard is, like he said, if Granite's healthy and plays, we probably win the game, and, you know, there's not another word about it. Now we're going into two relatively tough games at, at Anfield, which... I have a problem with the first leg now being at Anfield on top of the other issues I have with Liverpool, but that followed by the North London Derby is leaving us pretty thin. And I think we're likely going to have to play an attacking lineup. I was just putting in the chat there 
I think if Smith Rowe is is available, which is the hope, we're going to see likely Sambi Lokanga at six with Odegaard and ESR at eight. So it's an attacking team that potentially leaves us pretty open. And there's kind of a kind of that trickle effect from one small loan move of Ainsley Maitland Niles kind of dramatically changes what we're going to see at least over the next week or so. So like always, we we hope for the best, but it's definitely going to have a potential impact that a lot of people will question Edu and Arteta on if things don't go the way we want them to go. Yeah. I mean, people want Bruno Gomara's in like two weeks ago. And I mean, I, I, I don't know that things work that, that way on, on permanent transfers as, as easily as, as we'd like, but uh, you know, the, I'm not a huge Jaka fan. I've, I've said that on virtually every podcast, most of it is personal, not necessarily tactical. <laughs> uh, although, you know, in the personal area, he's won me over a little bit lately, but ironically, just as proving the tactical problems that he has. Um, but I mean, my God, we, we missed him against Forrest. I mean, there's, there's no question. And really what I'm going to say is that we've been with neither Jaka or Partey. It's two teams. It's, it's, it's a team, you know, covering and, 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 and doing a pretty, pretty good job of keeping Forrest away from our goal. Leno had to make some pretty good saves and he was, he was fantastic in the game. Uh, but it wasn't like they were just raining down shots on goal on us talented players up front who just have no there's no connecting the two even with ben white in there uh to you know to move the ball of the pitch a little more than a normal center back would so you know if we go into liverpool with that same problem i was just gonna say we didn't have a single shot on target against nottingham forest you know for for a i think nuno tavares might have had one but it was on our goal (laughs) (laughs) but for a top team in 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 a cup tie you know, I know we haven't got our strongest team out, but that's a damning indictment. You know, for, for us to go away to lower league opposition and not even have a shot on target is yeah. tells you all you need to know. And if you look at all the various passing networks, and uh, you know, you can see Ben White and Rob Holding pass the shit out of pass the shit out of the ball basically to each other. I mean, they were just sideways, 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 back and forth to, to sort of Cedric Suarez, and there was nothing in midfield. And Enketia didn't even get a sniff. Um, I mean, we could we can talk about Enketia and how his work rate should be better and how we should try and get involved, but um, yeah, it was just a terrible a, day at the office. You should get a new forehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was a terrible day at the office, one that we're going to forget. But it's it's so disappointing because, you know, we threw it last year at Southampton away. You know, we should have won that. We should have, you know, we should have progressed in the cup. And this year to go out in the third round, like you say, uh, like you said a few minutes ago, it's uh, it's a real shame. Yeah. So I mentioned Nuno Tavares. This is the next, this is the next, uh, I get a lot of, Arguments, not and and when I say arguments, I you know I have some very close friends, uh, other fellow podcasters who who tend to have opposing opinions than me, and we keep it we keep it friendly, but we we don't hold back. Um, and this Nuno Tavares substitution thing, I'm I'm fascinated by because in in the moment, I mean, he was, I think, objectively, having an awful game. Yeah. Um, in 33 minutes, he had 18 passes, seven of which resulted in loss of possession. And I don't know if that includes the one that, that he, uh, that he pinged off of Leno's chest, um, else it would have been a Lee Dixon, uh, style own goal, but you know, it's 61% pass accuracy in a half an hour when the normal accuracy rate is 85 or 90% because of what you just mentioned, kind of, you know, the two people just passing the ball back and forth to each other. Um, the guy was having a mare. And, you know, it, it's a separate discussion as to whether he should have been subbed off uh, the 33rd minute rather than waiting until halftime. But 
Um, I understand the impact of subbing off a guy in the first half who isn't hurt. Uh, not quite as bad as subbing off a guy who's just come in as a sub, a la Obui. Uh, but it's a statement to make. And I've heard everything from, you know, Arteta was looking at the subs who were warming up as early as the 18th minute, thinking that they were going to make a change. I've heard that there were four or five people that easily could have been pulled off if Arteta wanted to make an example. And I've heard people saying, you know, this wasn't just necessarily that he was having a bad game. Could it have been that he wasn't following the instructions that he was being given and, and you know, doing that and having a bad game gets you pulled off? Any way you look at it, there are some who have said that this is, you know, this was destructive, poor man management and will set Lakanga back. Uh, there are others who have said, you know, you needed to do it. You, again, you can't look back 60 minutes later after Tierney didn't quite provide the spark that we wanted, after we didn't go on to win, we didn't fix everything and, and lost the game and then decide how you feel about the penalty uh, or about the substitution. So in your mind, I mean, were you surprised when you saw that? I was actually kind of impressed because I was like, you know what? He's having an awful game and he's doing something about it. I was surprised. I, I didn't think Arteta was the sort of manager that would make such a a bold change so early on in a game. I think you you hit the nail on the head, Mike, by saying, "Look, Tavares was 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 playing pretty badly. If he had a good game, he's not coming off, and we wouldn't be talking about it today. He he was having a really bad game. He was getting fried on that side. Um, and like you said, you know, the manager's got two options: you either you either take him off and make a statement, um, which he did, uh, or you wait till halftime and, and and you know you come out in the second half with a with a different structure and you kind of give that off as the excuse for for taking a player off at halftime. I do wonder about his man management because we we must forget we mustn't forget you know Nuno Tavares is a new signing. You know he's a young boy. Uh, he's been at Arsenal for less than six months. Probably played fewer than ten games for us. He had a really good spell at the start of the season that you might remember. Um, but oh, he has, cool. you know, but he, but he, he's not been playing so well in the last couple of games. So I he wonder. Keeping, he was keeping Kieran Tierney back from from reclaiming his spot for well, a while. Quite I mean. exactly, exactly, and 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 you you just wonder about the impact that it might have on his on his confidence, on his, you know, mental aspect of the game. And I, I do wonder deep down if Arteta regrets doing that because it's a televised game. He's a young boy. The world is watching because the FA Cup is just so popular across the globe. It's under the floodlights. It's low league opposition. I mean, that was humiliating for him. So seeing how he bounces back, um, I don't mind the taking the gloves off and chucking it to the ground. I like to see a little bit of that. You know, it's a bit of fiery, fieriness in the character. You know, you'd rather that than a player just sort of going off to the bench, laughing and joking and smiling and sniggering. Um, and we don't so know. Look, we don't know. I mean, I, th I think it's probably pretty self-explanatory, but we don't know whether his anger was anger at Arteta, anger at anger at himself slash the situation slash this is embarrassing. And I, and I certainly, uh, I don't like this. I mean, we don't know who he was focusing his anger at. Um, he has no right to feel hard done by, um, you know, in the law, in the moment. Sure. But you know, that that's why I said at that moment, I, I, I tweeted, I said, it's a bold move. Uh, but Arteta's man management skills and how he handles Nuno after this will be massively important. And, and, you know, so far his man management skills, when it comes to putting certain people on the pitch ahead of others, a la William constantly getting in at the beginning of last season and some other things that's kind of been in question, but I don't, I don't doubt. I fully trust his man management behind the scenes with the young players because the young players are the ones 
that 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 seem to feel and and come out in you know in support of him. Uh, so you know, I don't think he did that without saying, you know what, I'm really going to have to put my arm around this guy um, to stress to him how important he is. Clearly, you know, Gabriel Martinelli was managed behind the scenes when he wasn't getting a lot of opportunities in a way that made him hungrier and better when he finally got the opportunity. So, you know, I'm not that concerned about it, but, you know, I know, I know a lot of people who were, you know, screaming and yelling about it and, and, um, you know, so I, I am interested in your, in, you know, in your point of view about that, Jared. I, I also, uh, you know, want to hear from you about that because, you know, we didn't have, I mean, God forbid he stayed in and just continued to be not, you know, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And I'm not claiming he was the only player that was poor in the first half. Um, he would have gotten roasted for not being willing to make a change sooner, in my opinion. Yeah. And like you said, my, my initial reaction, right. When it happened, I think I put out on Twitter is all the same people who say Arteta isn't ruthless enough are going to be the same people who criticize him yanking Tavares off at 34 minutes. Um, I'm with you. I didn't have a big problem with it. We did have a lot of poor performers, but for me, he was the standout poor performer of the first half an hour. And I, I don't think it's a big deal the way that people make it out to be, unless the player makes it a big deal. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not a good player. It doesn't mean that he's not going to go out and smash it the next time he hits the pitch. It just means that on that day, he w- he wasn't playing well. And everybody's human. Everybody has good days and bad days. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think there will be a conversation behind the scenes with Arteta. Like you alluded to, he seems to have a, a very good relationship with younger players and is able to speak to them in a way that, you know, makes them happy with their current situation. So as long as Nuno takes it in stride and, you know, there's no way he's not going to watch that game and acknowledge like, yeah, I, w- I was pretty poor. I wasn't doing what I was needing to do and, and move on and learn from it. And he'll get another opportunity. So I'm, I'm totally fine with the move. I actually had no issue with it at all, given what was happening. You know, it didn't end up turning the game around for us. We still didn't do much, but I don't have any issue with the move. And, and like I said, I don't think it's even an issue going forward unless Nuno Tavares specifically makes it one. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually full out pleased that he did that because it, you know, how often have we complained? And, and I know your affinity for for uh, for Sir Arsene uh, FK, but how often we complain that he never touched, he never even looked at his bench until yeah. the seventieth minute, would no matter what was <laughs> going right. on in the game. Then Absolutely. we saw Unai Emery making, you know, making ten subs at halftime every game and went the completely opposite <laughs> of that. You know, I just I like to see some variability. I mean, don't don't go crazy. But he had five subs available to him, which interestingly he only made three. Um, but you know, one of them being after 33 minutes. But I was actually pleased that he did that, and especially when you have a player like Tierney who comes in, didn't want to have to play him, but now you need him. That's kind of what these what these games are all about, and and you don't wait until it's too late. Um, you know, you roll the dice and you don't get the outcome you want that's that's life but but you know if you don't roll the dice you never know and so i uh, i was in favor of that but you know again we'll see because nuno's going to be needed he's going to be needed in the future and i don't i don't think he killed the player there so um so uh, i and and the one other example i want to make of that is you know even though it was his poor performance to make an analogy to to uh ice hockey i don't know if you watch much ice hockey uh or NHL FK, but uh, not much. No, I used it, to play. It, used to play on PlayStation, but, but no, just, uh, it's a fantastic much. sport to watch. It's <laughs> the closest thing to like excitement-wise to, to to football, but it's you know an indoor fast pace. I, I love it, 
And there's a general thing where if your team goes down two, two, nothing, three, nothing, four, nothing, even if the goalie is not at fault for those goals, they will pull the goalie out and replace him as a message to the team. And the team takes the message as we've let our goalie down. We need to pick him up now by getting back into this game, by showing some more fights. So, you know, it, it's, and, and so often you see a four, nothing, you know, deficit turn into like four or three, you see the team rally because they want to, they want to bail out the guy who they let down um, because you can change one goalie, but you cannot change six defensemen and 18 forwards uh, in, in, in the midst of a game. Uh, so, you know, I wish there was kind of that, you know, people would focus more on, you know, it was a message to the team in the form of Nuno Tavares because you cannot, you can't take off five players in the first half. I mean, if he had done that, then it would have been like all hell was going to break loose. Like, like he was throwing the team under the bus and trying to embarrass them. That would have been like a watershed moment for him. Um, so he took out the one that was probably causing us the most da- danger in the in the worst position and hopefully turned to his team and said, bail out Nuno because this could have been any of you. That's, that's my hope. Um Overall view before we get to, to some user questions, and if you have some, uh, uh, please put them in the chat. We've got a couple of them already that we uh, we started to answer. But uh, overall view on how Arteta is handling the team in his in his two plus years of being here. I mean, we've you know we've now missed out on a beloved piece of silverware, one of the only chances we really had this season as to how to measure the outcome of the season. So it's the League Cup, the league position, and very few games over the next couple of months. So we're we're Where's your barometer on, on, on Mikel right now? It's a really tough one, Mike, because, you know, he had that fairy tale start going to Wembley, winning the FA Cup, and then going back and winning the Community Shield. Last season was a massive disappointment, you know, to go out to Villarreal the way that we did and to finish eighth was unexpected because I thought we'd just build on that. And this year, you know, had a terrible start and then a bit of a renaissance, you know, picking up the points and now we've crept into fourth. The reason why I'm undecided is because you know we saw the blueprint against Manchester City that first half just a week ago and then we've just seen what we saw a couple of days ago and it's still in our system and what that shows to me is that look there's a lot of work to be done the squad isn't as strong as as he wants it to be and as we need it to be and where does it leave us for this season I mean finishing top four would be incredible you know that would be uh, probably beyond you know my my wildest expectations certainly at the start of the season given that we'd finished eighth last year I think if we can if we can overcome Liverpool, I fancy us against Chelsea or Spurs, and I think Arsenal. I think Arteta will go strong in in, in both the games in the semi final and of course the final. And I think Arteta's got that education about the Carling the Carling Cup, the League Cup, because no. yeah, because it was City, it was City's Cup, right? You know, for years and years they've won it, and of course he was under Pep. So I want him to take it ser- seriously. I think he will take it as seriously as he can. If we can win that and finish, you know, fourth, that would be incredible. And then, you know, you would have to say that he deserves to stay on, deserves a new contract, which of course expires in just over a year's time. So um, there are doubts in my mind, Mike. There are things that I think to myself: is he is he the right guy that's really going to get us playing that that you know uh, that swashbuckling football that we were so used used to under Arsene Wenger? Um, he's done wonders with the defense. You know, he the, the profile of player that we've purchased is is really refreshing. So there's a lot of good things. There are some doubts in my mind. So I'm firmly sort of undecided. Now, please don't think that I'm sort of copping out. Like I can see his pros, I can see his cons. 
I just don't know at this stage. Like, we could quite easily get pummeled to Liverpool. We could quite easily lose a North London derby. And then all of a sudden, you know, the season's over in January and top four is, you know, just going to fade. Or we might end up going to Wembley. We might turn over the old enemy and all of a sudden, you know, the home straight. And you just, so it's so delicately poised. And that's why I'm so undecided. And I think you're, you're right, Mike. You can, you should be allowed to change your mind based on what you see. And at the moment with Arsenal, it is on a week by week basis. It has to be. I mean, the, yeah. it, we, we've been in so many of these situations where, you know, but, but th- that, that usual February that we've had under in, in late stage Arsene Wenger, where, you know, where within two weeks we'd be out of the FA cup and, uh, and functionally out of the champions league. And the whole thing was down the drain. We're, we're, you know, to have that in January, it <laughs> just brought it forward but, a month. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got those three, those next three games, this little, you know, this sole Premier league home game against Burnley. And then, maximum two games in february uh against wolves and brentford other than maybe at the very very end of the month the carabao cup final so there's gonna be a lot of a lot of sitting around people talk about fixture congestion we're not really facing that <laughs> we're gonna have a lot of sitting around and and um and and wondering what the hell we're gonna be doing um and and i just hope that that comes from a position of having solidified fourth by beating spurs and um and at least putting up a fight if not getting past Liverpool in the cup, but we, we really will learn a lot nine days from now when those three games are over. Um, and, and I, you know, I fear it, it, it's never going to be possible to say, let's wait until May because we're going to know so much by January. <laughs> Do you feel that we are a fourth place team that we belong in fourth place right now? Or do you think we're kind of circumstantially <sighs> there? Place? Um, I think, I mean, Manchester United, are just such a shambles of a club from, you know, CEO or, you know, former CEO right down to, to their sort of players on the pitch. They have such an amazing squad. Like they really do. Like in terms of attacking options, they've got, they are, you know, they have match winners. They've got individual performers in that team that can bail out managers as, as they have done or they had done with, with Ollie for so long. That I think if they, if they turn it on, they're so capable of going on a run, Mike. And that scares me. Um, Spurs, I would say Spurs are Spurs, but Conte is someone that we should have a little bit of respect for because he is a proven coach, and you know we can't deny that as much as we want to joke about them. Son's out for a while. If Kane gets an injury, then they're really screwed. Um, so it, re- I mean, it's so open. You know, I, I, any if it was just a normal season, if if United were firing, if they didn't have all these problems, it would be United. It'd be a formality. You know, they have such a good a uh, good squad of attacking options that you know, you can't put it past them. Um, but I think, I, I think, I think the three teams that I've just mentioned are in such a mess that it really is the door is open. You know, any of those three teams uh, can can end up fourth, and you have to be optimistic, right? I mean, at this moment, if we can beat Spurs this weekend, what a feeling that would be going into February. Um, what a you know, I think top, I think the, the fourth place would be in our would be in our hands, right? So yeah, right, so- right now their games in hand, they could you know if if they win them, they'll, they'd go ahead of us, but not if yeah. we beat them over the weekend. I mean, I'd probably I'd probably take a draw if I was offered it now. You know, if if the North, if someone said to me, right, you know, avoid defeat at the weekend, I I I would take that. Just given the the, the Jekyll and Hyde that we've just talked about, the City game and the Forest game, we're so capable of you know, flirting with our self-destruct button that it's, uh, it's quite scary, but 
you know, I don't think we're the fourth best team in the league by any distance. I just think we have a chance of ending up fourth because other teams are just so bad. Fair enough. That's a good way of putting it. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's going to come down to the midfield. I mean, we, we, I, I this, this, this is classic Granite Jaka to like, like somehow manipulate the situation so that everyone's just crying out for him. Cause if Jaka doesn't play, it's Tottenham. We're going to lose. If he I does, did. I think we have every chance to win. And I can't believe I'm saying that. You know, someone, someone said on Twitter, Mike, the other day that, um, you know, obviously we go to Liverpool. We we'll probably have Laconga as a lone man, like Jared said, in, in, in the base of a three. And then against Spurs, we'll have Ramsey and Wilshire back <laughs> because we can get Ramsey on loan and we can get Wilshire on a free transfer. I mean, well, I mean funny, yeah, yeah, for a one game loan, right? maybe that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I look. Uh, all jokes aside, I'm terrified, man. I mean, uh, Jared, I think you said it. Going to Anfield first makes me feel quite uncomfortable. Uh, going to Anfield anytime makes me feel uncomfortable. And I think mentally, if we're out of that game or if we get pumped because we haven't got a strong midfield. Going into the Spurs game, I'm really anxious. But hopefully, Jack will be back by then. Um, but yeah, midfield, we're just light. I, I mean, I can't believe it. Every year, you, you you know, we sit here talking about the club that we all love and we think, shit, why didn't you just go and strengthen? Like, what? why are we so short in numbers time and time again? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious about this weekend. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to be so. Um, all right, let's get into some user questions. If you have any more, put them up in the chat. We'll we'll go for about another uh, five or ten minutes. Is that all right, bud? Sure, anytime, man. Okay. Um, mostly uh, about uh, uh, about the, the transfer window. So we and we haven't really talked about that too much. Um, and uh, well, before we get to the questions, the one person everyone's been talking about. Um, it's almost to the point where I'm sick of seeing his name. Is is Dusan Vlavic. Um, how do you feel about the player? What do you know about the player? Any concerns? Are you salivating? Uh, lots of noise going on out there. But There's a lot a of noise, game. isn't there? I mean, look, we are in need of a, of a center forward, right? You know, we have Lacazette, whose uh, contract is expiring. We have Aubameyang, who's been forced out of the team, although, of course, he was photographed today with an Arsenal shirt uh, on AFCON duty. So I don't know if that's a a message to the fan base to say, look, I'm, I'm still Arsenal. I'm still red and white. I still want to come back and do something. I don't know, but look, he's not in the team. Inketia should be nowhere near Arsenal. Um, and so, you know, forward wise, we are really short, Mike. And and Jared, you probably agree. You know, we, we, we need a talisman up front. In terms of Lavic, um, I have to be honest, I've never seen him play a game. Um, I didn't know much about him until, of course, we did the breakdown on the Latte Firm just a week ago with uh, Nima, who's an Italian football podcast uh, expert and Italian football writer. And what I've heard from him is that there are some clear strengths to his game. You know, he's a uh, lethal goal scorer within the box, very left footed, physically very strong, very robust, a young boy. He spent 15 years playing in Serbian men's football, played for Partizan, was their number nine before moving to Fiorentina. Um, you know, has one in two for Serbia at international level. So he's a goal scorer. He's not so good in the air. He can be better. He's not so good at sort of link-up play, could be better. But he's fast. He likes to work hard for the team. He's very much a player who likes to work in a team that tries to, you know, transition on their opponents. And he's very, very good in the box, you know, left foot hammer. So there are lots of pros. There are obviously got to get into the box though for that to be, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, that there you go, and 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 that's quite interesting. So, um, you know, if we're not creating chances, 
I think the difference between him and someone like Nketia or Bamiyang is that um, Vlaovic likes to build with the team. So if you see his heat maps, um, yes, he's a box player, but when when they haven't, when he hasn't got the ball, or whether when the team are trying to win the ball back, he drops deep and he loves to shift it out to the left hand side, which is of course you know Kieran Tierney's bread and butter. So um, he likes to be part of that build up. Uh, he likes to be the focal point. He wins a lot of fouls in dangerous areas, so he can really you know give you that breather. He's like he's that escape route. Um, you know Ben White, I can see him pinging balls to him. Gabriel too. So he's a very interesting player. Um, but he's young and Mike, you know, better than, you know, just as well as everybody that every signing is a gamble. You know, you could be a, a prolific goal scorer like Matea Kesman was, if you remember him, he joined Chelsea, Shevchenko joined Chelsea, just <laughs> well, yeah, did, did, I mean... didn't quite work out. Uh, and then you have players that, that struggle, you know, your Henri's, your Bergkamp's, they struggle in Italy and they come over to the Premier League and they absolutely destroy it. So I, there's a, the fees reported are crazy. Um, the wages reported are crazy. Apparently, there are some some agent issues that 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 well, are. And, and that's what I really I wanted. To, I mean, it's all kind of uh, it, there's a lot of speculation. And and if you if you are in the circles and speak to the people that that I know that you speak to, um, you know, there's some behind the scenes information because there's a little bit more discussions with the agents and with with the local journalists in the area, but. The more you know, there's 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 starting to be that 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 critical amount of noise and 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 concern about you know his ownership, yeah. I, a, the who owns the player, which is never a concept I really enjoy dealing with. I, I'm realistic enough to know that it's more common than people think, but um, you know I, he's owned by some Serbian firm com- companies or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. His, his you know what his his agent wants in any in any deal is wages i mean i want players who want to come to arsenal and play their ass off for a team that's that's starting to really build something i don't want to i mean we have gotten rid of and we talked you talked about so many things that arteta's done tactically and you you actually surprisingly didn't mention the things that I love about him, which is what he's done behind the scenes with the club mm. to to clean it up kind of a little bit and and to 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 like fix it up like like someone going through a house getting ready to put it for sale. Not that the Cronkies are selling the house, but you know, you have to go and identify all clearing the broken the things that literally Absolutely. clearing out the dead wood of the house and replacing yeah. it with good wood. And he's done so much of that. Um I just I worry about something coming in and disrupting that flow. And that doesn't mean we have to, you know, have all 23 year old, you know, 21 year old wonder kids who, who are just happy to be there. Uh, but Vlavic scares me from a, from a, what is it? Uh, just from a, from an intangible standpoint. Um, and people will tell me, you know, fucking tangibles we need guys that can score goals because we haven't had a goal from a center forward i mean i get both sides of that but does it does he scare you a little i mean jared does he scare you a little bit uh everything that you're hearing or you just think that's a lot of paper talk and we need to get those goals on our team instead of left well, in I, I should preface by saying like fk i've never watched a fiorentina game so i haven't seen him play a full game so my knowledge of him like a lot of people is either reading a couple articles or seeing the, the highlight reels that fill all of our twitter feeds nowadays so that gives us a good view at least of what he's capable of on the high end. You're seeing kind of the best of the best of what he's done over the last year. And just from watching that, I I think there's a lot of use in him. He's obviously a talented player. You don't tie or break. I don't remember which one Ronaldo's goal scoring record without being a serious talent. I think he'd be an amazing addition to the team. 
he kind of is a Lacazette fill-in. Um, the, the little bits that I have seen, it looks like he at least has the ability to come back and sort of link the play up. And people probably won't like to hear this comparison as Arsenal fans, but you see a lot of what Harry Kane does coming back to midfield and playing the ball out long to Sun. I think he's got that ability and that's something given Saka and Martinelli on either side of him would be extremely useful in our team. So that's who he reminds me of a little bit just from the bits I've seen. Also, every time I see a picture of him, doesn't really matter for the skill of the player, but he looks like John Hamm playing Harry Kane in a movie about the Premier League just a little bit. So that puts me off of him a bit. But there's no question. That's the best reason I've heard. That's the best reason I've heard so far to, to, to save that 70 million pounds. Or that's just every time I see him, that's all I can think of. But I still, we have the opportunity to get a guy who can bag 30 plus goals in a calendar year. It's hard to say no to that, especially when he's 21 years old and you can turn around and sell him for a good for a good amount, even if things don't go perfectly at Arsenal. Just on that, Jared, Mike, if I may, the the fact that he 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 had that record of the the, the same number of goals that Cristiano scored in a calendar year, but he did that with Fiorentina, who have been a team in chaos for the last six to eight years. They are a dysfunctional team. They are not playing well. They are not one of the you know the top stripes teams that that you have in in Serie A. And and actually, that's more phenomenal. Uh, yes, he's got penalties, but he wins them and. Uh, I think that's quite impressive. You know, he's not just a, like a Juventus and, and and being given chances every week. He makes a lot of those chances himself. Sorry, Mike. No, no, that's okay. I I, I couldn't believe it. I I went to I was in Florence uh, right before COVID hit. Actually, um, got out of there just in time. But like, uh, I went to a Fiorentina game with my son. They were playing Roma, and I went there. You know, a I wanted to go, and if I'm in a foreign city, I want to see a football game there. Uh, B it was Roma, so Mkhitaryan was playing, Smalling was playing. Um, a couple other guys, uh, and and you know Roma destroyed Fiorentina that day. I think it was four one or something like that. Jeco scored, um, but I looked when I started hearing about this Vlaovic. Could I look back at the at the lineups for that game? And he was playing it in that game. So I have actually scouted Vlahovic, <laughs> but didn't know that I had scouted Vlahovic <laughs> until much later. Um, I mean, the Can guys. I pick up a- the guy's been putting up some incredible numbers over the last 18 months. There's no question about that. And I would yeah. be thrilled if we signed him. Don't get me wrong. I just I worry about the destabilization of of the of the dressing room. I think it's I probably am way too uneducated about him as a person to know whether that's realistic or not. I just I just really kind of thought Tammy Abraham would be the perfect fit um over the summer. I I, I thought he was the one that that would have been ready to make the leap not given the full opportunity with Chelsea, not a Chelsea reject like all the other ones that we brought in, but a, a guy who was just surplus to requirements because they keep bringing in 70 million pound players in front of him um, and his style of play. And, and he's, and he's killing it at Roma from what I understand. Um, that one, I think was the one that got away, but, but we shall see. We shall. There's what is a comment in the, in the, in the chat, Mike, if I may, Aston Mac says the thing with Dusan is that he's effing strong. Um, like he's bulked up this year. Uh, Nima on the, on the breakdown was saying that, you know, he was quite a a weedy kid, Um, you know, and then he had that growth spurt, but since the age of 18, he's spent a lot of time with dietitians with um, uh, in the gym, of course, you know, with a, with a weights program and he's really bulked up and that's very deliberate. And, you know, we, we we talk about him like he's 21, but he looks like a 30 year old. Like he's, you know, he looks Mm -hmm. like a Disney prince, but he's a, he's a brute. And, and you know what? I want to see a bit of that at Arsenal. You know, I think we've, I think we're too soft in the final third. 
you know, let's have a brute who, 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 you know, lets all the defenders know that he's there and who gives as good as he gets and, you know, ready for the rough and tumble. I love that. Well, I could be convinced easily. I mean, look, we got to do something though. I mean, because, because <laughs> if I have to watch another header go off of Nikedia's teeth, <laughs> don't, don't. I mean, it, it wasn't even like, I mean, my my deceased grandmother could have could have done a better job on that. I mean, he was so open, and it didn't even go off his head. I mean, it literally went off his face, and you know, and and, and not like when when Murdersacker scored in the FA Cup against Villa off of his face. This was just embarrassingly off of his face. And and if you're, you know, he he just I I I've always backed Niketia. I wanted him to be good enough. You know this, Jared. I Tom Canton and I used to fake argue about it all the time because he said he's not good enough for Arsenal. I said, how do you know that yet? This was three years ago. Now we know. He's Mr. July. Uh, he's Mr. League Cup, although, uh, you know, I don't want to see him on Thursday. Uh, and, and he's just, if we could get anything for him, or just let him walk away. But that can't, I, I, I start questioning Arteta when I start hearing him come out in the press about how much he wants Nikedia to stay. And whether that's paper talk to try to make sure that we can renew him to hold value to sell him or whether he really fancies him and be, you know, in being the one who can replace, if he thinks Nikedia can replace Lacazette when he leaves, then, then, then no. I'll get, I'll get the pitchforks out myself. No, <laughs> just, just no, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I, th I think Nketi will be gone this month. I think, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think there are clubs, you know, Newcastle making moves for, for, for Woods from Burnley. They'll have a bit of cash that if he wants to go to Burnley, but Palace are interested. Um, I think, I think, the, I, think if, I think the Newcastle fan, if they sign another Arsenal reject, um, <laughs> after the experience with, uh, with declare the, war with, with Willick, yeah. I think they'll, they'll actually turn on their billionaire owners <laughs> this wow. season. If, if they do that, no I've seen so not. much. I mean, the, the, the stuff coming out from Newcastle fans, like, oh, you swim, like, like, and I've the same thing from Everton fans with the yeah. Wobies. Who says we can't sell players? We have been ripping people off now for three or four years with some of these guys. Indeed. Oh, God. All right. Let's try to get to a couple more questions. Um, let's see. We have, um, I mean, they're pretty much all who would you sign in January, but uh, Dem Kevin says in January, do you sign a striker? Or a DCM. Uh, I mean, if you if you have to choose one, I would certainly focus on the midfield. Yeah, I think if I had to choose one, um, it would be a midfielder. And you know, everybody, those who sort of know me on on social media will know that I'm a massive fan of Eve Basuma. I know he's got this charge hanging over his head, but of course, if he's cleared, and only if he's cleared, um, he is someone that I'd like to see us go for. Um, but yeah, some sort of midfield, you know, reinforcement, someone who's a bit of a powerhouse, dynamic, and who's got a finesse about him. And Bissouma for me ticks all of those boxes. I think he's a wonderful player. You know, there was so much talk about him earlier in the summer, and then and then it just, you know, didn't he have like Arsenal gear on in the back of pictures that were on Instagram? It was like... Yeah, I I do wonder if 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 the lack of noise around him is is obviously all to do with this charge that he's got and. Yeah, he's obviously still playing, and and Brighton must know there must be someone at Brighton who knows, you know, whether he's done something wrong or not, and you know, um, they're confident enough to play him. So if he, if he comes out of it all clear, then you know, there's going to be a, a midfielder up up for grabs that that many teams will be looking at, you know. So uh, if we can get someone like him, maybe you know, his profile, his positioning, his ability, his physical, you know, sort of prowess, 
that's what I want to see. Alongside Thomas Party would be would be tremendous. You know what I like to see? Questions like this, which combine an actual question with <laughs> with an inside dig at something that was known about me that makes it catch my eye. I used to try to write these kinds of questions all the time and send them to Danny when we were when I would try to get like get our name on his podcast for a little bit of publicity. Uh, you know, I would I would I would it wouldn't just be a question, it would be a question wrapped in a in, in a thing and and you know, I'm I I I am well known for having uh, gone for lamb ribs about 9 times out of 30 days when I was in London. Um, at the Yil, Yil, I'll give the I'll give it a plug. Yilmaz on Blackstock Road, um, ridiculous lamb ribs. But uh, this question was essentially uh, just to just to have me show it on the screen and say lamb ribs. I mean, there's not there wasn't really a question there. So thank you, Mark, for that. Uh, and I think we will finish off with uh, oh, this is interesting. Okay, um, Yo Yo. Who, who asks fantastic questions. We don't see him all the time, but but he asks fantastic questions. He's Which good, yeah. linked or rumored player do you hope Arsenal don't sign? Oh, crikey. Um, besides who Jan, who besides Jan, Jan the Villa. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> go on, Jared. What were you going to say? If you want to count Aaron Ramsey as kind of loose. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Jack Wilshere doesn't count. Him back. One no, of my I... favorite players in the time that I followed Arsenal, but no interest in him coming back to us now. Aston's going to consider those fighting words, but yeah, that that would that definitely be sentiment over uh, over any sort of sense. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, Aston's got oh, Jude Bellingham. What a player! What a player! Um, who have we been linked with that I don't want? I mean, oh, that's such a tough oh, question. What's the what's the winger from Juventus? His name's just gone out of my head uh Kuluchewski, yeah Kuluchewski. Like i think that's his he's, name he's i don't want any more wingers i, I think winger wise i think we're stacked i think mm -hmm. center forward wise we've been linked with dominic calvert lewin and um jonathan david I, I i don't see the hype with calvert lewin uh, you know i think yes he's english yes he's having an all right season at well he, he's an all right player at everton nothing to do with his dress sense i must make that clear um you know i'm, I'm all for fashionistas <laughs> at arsenal it's not a problem but i i i He's an interesting player, but I don't know how high his ceiling is. And I've never seen him prolific, guys, right? So with Vlaovic, for example, you've you know that even at a smaller team, he's capable of just scoring goals. With Calvert-Lewin, I never get that. Let me put it to you differently. You know when a striker goes through one-on-one, -on -one, when we had Thierry Henry, 99 times out of 100, you'd be like, yeah, he's scoring. Like, you wouldn't even wait for the ball to hit the net. You just know. When I see Dominic Calvert-Lewin on, on, on TV, whether it's for England or Everton, I, I never get that sense of assuredness that, yeah, he's going to score here. Like, he he, he does score goals, but I, I, I think he's got that killer, and I don't know what his ceiling is. So if I had to pick someone that's been linked with us that I don't want us to sign, it would be DCL. And yo, yeah, I saw, Richard Richarlison is clear. One of, the, player. one of the ones I saw in the, I mean, amongst all the other Arsenal failures of the past that people are putting in the chat because they're jackasses. Uh, like <laughs> actually, no, it was just Mark that was doing that. Apparently, the one that I actually saw that 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 I would have said about a week ago is this one. Oh, sorry, uh, is, is he, is just 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 on um, Bayerin. Is he? Can we recall him? He's on loan. I mean, I don't know whether we have a recall option or not, but he's on loan. He has not been so. It's like like um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gwenduzi. Oh, I was to ask yet whether or not. Yeah, Gwenduzi. Yeah, no, Gwenduzi's on loan with an obligation, I think, to sell. Yeah. yeah so he's not coming back. back. 
but Saliba, Bellerin, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I hope we don't bring Bellerin back. There should it would be, a, I mean, it would be an awful situation to imagine what would happen. I would rather play Cedric than Bellerin. I would oh, rather, man, man. I would rather play Chambers than Bellerin. I would yes, rather play, I, uh, I would rather play uh, Nuno on the right than Bellerin. Um, you know, although after this last game, my jury's out on that, but, um, you know, I, I just, some things just need to end and, and we couldn't sell the players. So we sent them out on loan, but they're kind of gone. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, one player that falls into that group that we haven't mentioned as far as being really, really short in midfield is, is Lucas Torreira. Do you try and recall him and potentially ruin your relationship with Fiorentina for a Vlaovic deal because we're so short? When can, we're definitely we needing someone in that position, can we I don't know him? that Arsenal have ever. I mean, we we just don't. We make the we we make the stupid mistakes that other teams don't when it comes to things like this. Like everybody has buyback clauses and 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 right of first refusal. I know we had right of first mm. refusal with Fabregas, but that was a special case. Um, you know, everybody's got those, and and we're just like no. Take him, uh, you know. We don't. I think. I think the last player that we had a callback option on, certainly the last player we actually used it on, was Francis Coquelin, <laughs> and Probably and we recalled yeah. him back from Charlton in a less dire situation than what we actually have now, uh, and and it actually worked out uh, for the best in that situation. But the um, no, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. We could threaten to call back. Uh, we could make a huge bluff and threaten to call back Torreira unless they give us Vlahovic. <laughs> like, like we could try to put those two things in together and they'll be like, no. And we'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, one would probably backfire on all yeah, fronts. I think that would backfire. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, that that's an interesting question because the, the player that you wouldn't sign, Katina would have been my selection a week ago. Now, uh, Jared, do you have someone in mind for that? Did you already answer that? Yeah, I said Ramsey or Kulishevsky. Either one, I had really not much interest in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I probably would would go with, uh, uh, I don't know, Jaka. Oh, <laughs> come on, <laughs> this white album thing interests me a little bit, though. Like, but the, the, but the, pro the problem is, we just don't move quickly on any of this. Stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I know we signed another left back today, apparently, but he's uh, sixteen years old. <laughs> you know, well, we signed we signed Leo Messa. We we haven't heard a thing about him in the, in, in the six months since we signed him, and he's got to be closer to nine now than he was. He's, he's eight until he's nine. I know that's, that's how it works, <laughs> but but uh, you know he's got to be pushing the U12s coming up at some point. Um, props to the U21s, by the way, the Arsenal U21s, and Smashed I it. I have been following the Papa John's Cup because my other. My my second love as a football supporter, Sutton United Football Club, um, is not only now a football league club in League Two, but they're into the final eight of the of the Papa John's Cup. The finals at Wembley, right? So I'm going to be back in London, COVID willing, April first to thirteenth, and the Papa John's Cup final is on the third. So somehow, some way, the Arsenal U21s <laughs> get there. For the big matchup yeah. against Sutton United at Wembley, I have to be a mascot for that game. <laughs> they have to have me on the pitch. Um, but uh, maybe I could be backup goalie for Sutton United and have a have a pie in the middle of the, uh, the middle of the game. But um, I remember that what a what a moment that was. <laughs> I wish I weighed what that guy weighs. Uh, <laughs> the, I blew past that number a long time ago. So anyway, 
Um, so thanks to the crowd, the crowd, the chat. Uh, awesome, awesome. We, we we have a small but wonderful audience. I love it. I'd rather I'd rather talk to uh, to people whose whose names make me smile than than have forty five people, you know, blabbering about Arteta out in the crowd in here. So uh, so thank you to uh, to Kevin uh, Dempsek, Aston Mack, Olivier, Mark Bacreden with his uh, with with his uh, amusing comedy at my expense, which I actually like. Rancid Pumpkin, Yo Yo. Pedro de Gallis, um, who else is in here? BX Lou Gunner, uh, a lot of squatties in here today, which we appreciate. Who else? Lou Weed, who is the um, the marijuana version of Lou Reed, I guess. Um, <laughs> who uh, who mentioned that he scored off of his face before? I don't really want to dig into the the, the details <laughs> of that. Um, and uh, and so many more. Ray Anderson, thanks for joining us tonight, making this show as interactive as it was. Jared, always good to see you, my friend. Uh, keep doing good things for people in need. Uh, and and when you're not doing that, you can do this, which is like the the exact opposite of what you do as a for a living. For a right. living, I'm not going to give away specifics. This is my break from reality, and I look he, forward to it every he, time. He comes in and rescues people uh, from financial and, and other disasters as, as a profession, and and uh, is a, a sorely needed face when people are in need. And then he does this. <laughs> And with a guy like this, to something even more horrific, yes. <laughs> Mike Feinberg on a regular basis. Exactly. No, in all seriousness, I always look forward to to the shows. And FK, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you. Fantastic guest. Likewise, and I'm man. sure Michael agree. We would love to have you back. Absolutely, anytime. Hundred percent. And um, very kind. And and appreciate your 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 support and uh, and behind the scenes help with promotion of Gunners versus Cancer leading up to the awards, which uh, I mean, just an amazing turnout for people supporting Gunners versus Cancer. And, and we hope that we can count on you uh, to continue with that because we're really Absolutely. just trying to get, get the Gunner family behind and, and, and you are connected with the portion and the section of the Gunner family that I think we identify with the most. So, uh, so uh, not sure why we hadn't uh, had you on earlier, but we'll certainly be doing it again soon. <laughs> And, uh, and thanks to the thanks to the chat again for your for your comments. We will be back uh, doing an open mic show after the Liverpool game. We do open mic shows where anybody and everybody can join us in the studio and have your say. Um, not sure whether we'll be doing it on Lee Judges TV or on our channel, but stay tuned and we'll promote that. Uh, thanks to everybody who joined us for the one against uh, uh, against Forest. Hopefully, we'll get to do one after a win soon. But that's about it from us today. So. Thank you, and come on, you Gooners. <laughs>